That's good. Well, this morning, I'm looking at the title, uh, Fullness, and in, it's in Colossians chapter 2. But as we think of fullness, um, sometimes we, me, I always allocate that with food. So when I eat too much, I'm overly full, and having to learn how to only eat enough so that we, <laughs> so that we don't gain too much weight, and perhaps that, we would eat with that somehow we would lose some. But fullness here, and especially in verse, um, I believe it's verse 9, if I can find it here in my notes, that for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And when Paul is writing, and we're going to kind of look at this verse by verse for a little while, and, and, and Paul is writing this to come against the doctrines or the problems that were coming to the early church. And they were combining religious, they were combining religions. They were putting the Christian faith in with parts of Judaism and parts of the Greek thought and, you know, parts of other things and putting them together to somehow come up with a religion that was a watered-down approach to Christianity. And the watered-down approach is that Jesus Christ, there is no other way. He is the fullness he, of the Godhead. In Christ is the fullness, the completeness of what God wants to send, of what God wanted to reveal to us through Christ and through his word. So it's interesting. I received a book this week from a particular denomination, well, I guess it's a denomination, from a particular church that was that's out on the fringes of Christianity, and um, they were they gave a book about what makes them so unique and so different, and how everyone else who doesn't believe in this particular truth is wrong. <laughs> and um, I heard a illustration this this past weeks that really got me to think perhaps a little differently. And in in Australia, you know, they have these farms. And the farms are comprised of thousands and thousands of acres. So some people put fences around their farms to keep their cattle and their livestock in. But other farmers drill and have water. The watering hole is in the center part of their land. So the watering hole keeps all of the animals close within the range of their farmlands, the land that they own. And... And I think of Christianity and how, how all of the churches have built their fences that protect our religion and our doctrines about Jesus Christ. And we look at the world, and the world looks at Christianity, and what do they see? They see our fences. They see how we argue and fight and how that this is right and this is wrong. And we need to have boundaries God always had boundaries. That's why we have the Ten Commandments. He gave the boundaries, but, and he gave the laws not to fence people in, but to draw them close to God. And so our fences are, need to be tore down, and they need to be lighthouses and light posts that speak of the truths of God's Word. And as we see those truths of God's Word, we find ourselves following those truths to Jesus. 
because he is the water of life. Jesus is the water of life. He is the fullness of God. And in, in the fullness of God, in Christ, we dwell there. We dwell and we live in that place of fullness. We live in this place of completeness in Christ. You know, we often find ourselves say, thinking that we're lacking. You know, like today, I am sick. No, I'm not sick. I am a well person fighting off my sickness. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Excuse me while I cough about my sickness. But that isn't my sickness. I'm a well person. You know, I am a healed person fighting off a disease or fighting off a problem. I am a, I am a wise person searching for more wisdom to deal with my situations. I am God's blessing to the community and to the people around us, searching for ways to touch people's lives. And you see, you're the same way in your own family. I am God's blessing. I am God's revelation to my family, to my neighbors. I am God's best out there for God. And what are we doing? We're being ourselves. We're being this person that God created. And we can, uh, I heard the story of a, a young man who in school was told that he was just an average student or a below average student and that he would never amount to much. And so when he graduated, he was a C or below student and he believed that. And so he got a job in a factory and he lived, he worked there at one of the lowest positions possible uh, because he didn't believe that he was able to be any different because someone had told him something and he believed that. Well, that factory closed, and he moved to another factory. And whenever he went to apply at that factory, at that place, they did an IQ test on all of their employees. They come to find out that he was not an average person. He was a genius. In fact, his IQ was greater than anyone else had ever been in, applied for a job in this factory. <laughs> so he began then to realize that his thoughts and his ways of thinking were not because he was below or uh, he was abnormal, but that he was above it and he was greater than, you know, he had abilities that he had never used because he heard someone tell him he was incomplete. While he went on then to be uh, a developer and had his own business and has a number of patents and things for the work field that he is in, and it's all because it was proven to him that he was not what somebody told him. And you see, in the fullness of Christ, in the fullness of Christ, it isn't that we are lacking. It's that God is giving. It isn't that we have failed. You know, we're not a failure, but we have failed. We are not a sinner, but we have sinned. We are a Christian. We are a believer. We, are, we have been saved by the grace and the mercy of God. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We have been bought by the blood of Christ. We are very special in his eyes and in his, his will and his purpose for our life. And so as we see ourselves as uniquely special, as we see ourselves as uniquely part of the plan of God, you know, uh, I think back of the events of life, the events of what we've gone through, and how that all of them, God has been a part of the whole plan. God has been a part of all the plans and all the things that have ever happened in our lives. Now, I may not have seen it, and I may have been rebellious and not gone along with the plan because I had better plans, but 
is that we look back over, and, and, and you know, I refer, I refer to this. Um, this is a miracle, this, this book, because I've been told all my life, you can't write worth a darn. You can speak, but you can't write. And all my life, I would never write because teachers have red pens. And all my papers that I've ever written were really marked up with red ink because I never knew sentence structure. I knew it, but I, it just didn't flow together. But I had some good ideas, and that's why I guess I became a preacher or God that. So I pray for the good ideas. I've always prayed for wisdom. You know, this is my selfish, here's a revelation. I always prayed for wisdom because I figured if I was wise, I could make a lot of money. <laughs> okay, Solomon was the wisest man. He had the greatest wealth in the world. And um, I soon learned that it doesn't work that way. That it, it works in the idea that our wisdom is not about getting, and our wisdom is about giving. You see, whenever we help enough people get where they need to go, we will find ourselves being where we need to be. That's a John Maxwell quote. When we help enough people get where they need to be, we will find ourselves arriving at the place that we're supposed to be. And see, whenever we look at the fullness that we have in Christ, we are seeing how that Christ is, is depositing that fullness inside of us, that completeness. Now, it's like we're, we have failed. Of course we failed. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But we're not a failure. See, I have, to, I have to understand the difference. That I am not a sinner, I am a saint. I have sinned, but I have been forgiven. And Christ has forgiven me because he has a plan and a purpose for my life, not only here, but in eternity. So where I am, if we look at it and say, uh, in, every, in this scripture here, in one of the verses, it talks about being overwhelmingly thankful. Um, which verse is it? Talks about thankfulness. Just then, Jesus, just so then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overwhelming with thank, thankfulness. Overwhelming with thankfulness. This, you know, we talked about fullness, and then overwhelming with thankfulness is this approach that everything in my life. I am giving thanks to God for, because that may not be the end of it. This is but the beginning of it. <laughs> that we, we see it as perhaps not very good, but being thankful about our life and our position and about this thing and that thing, we are finding that we are giving thanks to God who is in control, and we are asking him to make good, all things work together for good, that God is at work in my life for the good of my life, and all the things I see as failures or faults are not really that at all because I am being thankful to God for his ability to take care of me and my provisions and the things that I need in my life. So whenever we see ourselves as finding fault, finding failure, finding things difficult, 
that doesn't mean that somehow we've ended up at the wrong place at the wrong time. We are here by appointment. We are here by divine appointment to be who we are at this place in our lives for a purpose of serving God. And he says here, Paul says, I, I want you to know who, how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea. Paul is saying, this is a real struggle. It is a real struggle in the spiritual realm, and I am contending for your faith. But I want you to know something is, don't get caught up in the things that are man-made, that are intellectual ascents, or the Greek thought or philosophies, or the Jewish traditions, don't get caught up in these things that take you away from the fullness of God. Don't get caught up in the things that would pull away from what we find in Christ. I remember, um, I think of whenever we did the the Ornish program at the hospital, which is a very good program. And it was a heart disease reversal program, which um, diet, exercise, relaxation, and group support. Well, relaxation was yoga. And, and I, don't, I don't have a problem with yoga, but I know that if you take it to a, a certain extent, it's a religion. So there are parts of it that are good for relaxation and stretching and bending and all that kind of stuff. But then there are parts of it that are part of a religion. And the part of religion is, as you sit up on the floor, okay, and you're in a certain pose or posture, you can receive the energy from Mother Earth flowing through your body to give you strength. Hello. Well, then we start taking, well, okay, we've, then we start taking it to another step and another step and another step, and we find ourselves going down a road that we're not supposed to travel. Because it is, it is a dilution, it is diluting the fullness that we find in Christ. So there is nothing wrong with meditating, thinking on Christ, thinking on the scriptures, but to look at God's creation as the source of our strength, we failed. Mother Earth is not the source of our strength, even though there may be an energy field in it. Gravity may be part, is part of our, our Earth, but it is God created it to be there to hold things in place. If God has created the worlds and the stars and the whole system to be systems of the universe to be held together by gravity, something you cannot see but yet we feel the effects of, we don't have to have faith because we understand it. We don't have to have faith that if you throw a, a ball up in the air that it's going to come down. We know that gravity is at work. Well, our faith is understanding the fullness of God is, I understand that God is with me. And so therefore, in everything, I give thanks to God because just like gravity, it's going to come down. You throw it up, it's going to come down. So in the fullness of God, I believe that his power is going to flow through my life and that no matter where I am at in any situation, God is there. And what God has for me in my life is more than what I can see. We don't go around thanking gravity for holding us together, holding us to the earth every day. It's just there. Now, one person said, why, am I, why is it that the older I get, 
that the, my body seems to shrink in size. It's called gravity. <coughs> and that's true. It's what the, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I am a well person fighting off sickness. So, <laughs> so we see the effects of gravity. We see how it works, but we, you know, we know how it works, but we don't see it. So in our faith, the good word planted in someone's life, the good word planted in someone's life will grow. It will mature. And God will multiply it, and God will make the provision. God will cause it to grow. And so as we see here, uh, my goal, Paul says, is that they may be encouraged in heart. Encouraged. Encouraged means that we have courage to face the difficulty the problem that is before us. We have courage. Courage doesn't come from a, not an absence of fear. Courage comes because we believe there is something there. That there, we believe that there is hope in what we are doing. And God is the author of hope. So we have courage to do our job and to, do our, to live our life and to do what is best in the sight of God because we believe, we know that God has promised an answer. God has promised a harvest. God has promised possibilities. God has given us a vision of that which isn't here yet. Just like gravity. We don't go around worshiping gravity, but we worship the God who made all this place and made it to come together, and God is making our life come together. So my goal is to, and my goal then, is that you may have, be encouraged in heart, and that you might be united in love. You know, one of the greatest fears of life is the fear of being hurt emotionally. And, and so love then can be very guarded because we don't want to get hurt. But the love that God has for us doesn't have strings attached. When we fail... God doesn't pull back his love and withdraw it from us. We just shut the door for it getting to us. It doesn't stop God from giving it. It doesn't stop God from loving us and continuing to put our life before us so that we can finally hopefully make the right choice to get ourselves back in line. And what do you know? God has been there all the time. So love doesn't have strings attached. Therefore, God's love for us doesn't it's not removed because we fail. We have failed, but we are not failures. We have sinned, but we're not sinners. We're saints. And it doesn't mean that we are perfect. It means that we know the one who is perfect. And that he has a will and a purpose for our life. And he is working all these things into a place, into a position. And we are following this will following this plan, knowing that it's leading me somewhere. And that 35 years ago, we came here knowing that God had brought us here for a plan and how that all of these things have been led to deal not only with this church, but with the community, with our, with our region, with our denomination. It, I mean, all of that has come from this place and taking, you know, David to El Salvador and the thousands of people there and all that has gone on from right here. 
And that's just my life, our life, our children. What about yours? God has been at work in you. God has been doing this an effective work in each of you to change you, to change your life, to give us a vision, a, an idea, a goal of where we're going, and God is at work. And God is going to take us to the end. He's not going to leave this incomplete. He is going to finish that which he has started. God is going to finish the work he's already started. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to finish this afternoon. <laughs> you know, it, it, whenever we're dead, we're finished. If you ain't dead, you ain't finished. Okay, say yes, amen. That means you're not dead. All right, I'm not dead. Amen, I'm not dead. I am still alive. All those who are still alive, say amen. 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 That's good. Thank you very much. Wanted to make sure so that we find this perspective of what God is doing. And then he says, So that ye may have the full riches of complete understanding. You may have the full riches of complete understanding. Now, what were the Colossians doing? They were watering down their understanding of Jesus. They were taking the teachings of Christ, put a little Greek thought in there, mythology, take a little Jewish tradition, mix it with Christianity, and there we got a, we got a good religion. No. Paul is saying you've got to beware of those who would water down, belittle, degrade the fullness. And one of the ways that you're going to recognize the fullness of Christ is that you may have the full riches of complete understanding. The full riches of complete understanding. Well, I, I know all things. No, you don't. God's the only one who knows all things. The full riches of complete understanding is I understand enough to be thankful to God for where I am at. I understand enough that life is not out of control. The government is not out of control. And the world is not out of control. God is in control of all things, and these people may make decisions in rebellion against God, but they are only going to fulfill his plan. No matter how rebellious they may be, God is going to work his plan through through this world. If God is going to use evil people to bring about the, full, the fulfillment of his plan, how much more so is he going to use the righteous? That God is going to use us to be to the fullness of our understanding. That I understand enough to be thankful. I understand enough that God is in charge and that he loves me. I understand enough that I can believe that God can do the impossible in my life and in the life of the people around me. I understand enough that God is capable of moving mountains. I understand enough to know that God can, can do the impossible because he said it. So I understand that. And with that understanding, then I begin to pray I begin to approach the difficulties. I begin to tell people, it isn't obeying the commandments, it's coming to Jesus. It isn't how bad your life is, it's how great Jesus is. Jesus, come to Jesus and everything is going to change. Come to Jesus and your life will be different. 
I understand completely that God loves me and he loves my family, he loves my kids, he loves my neighbor, he loves the person that's running the furthest away from him, he loves the worst of sinners, he loves them all. He loves them all. They've run away from his love, but that doesn't change his love for them. And if God loves those people that are running from him so much, we need to recognize how much he loves us, who are his children, who have come to him to receive the promises, to receive the blessing, to receive the goodness of God, to receive the overwhelming riches of his glory, the fullness of God. The fullness of God is I believe. All things are possible. I believe that even though people may say it can never happen, not to you, you ain't that bright. You know, I remember, I remember a kid I went to school with, and uh, the first time, he, and he, he, he said to me, how did you get into college? <laughs> I'd like to give him my book. <laughs> because, you know, it doesn't matter what people say or think. It matters what God's purpose and will is for our life. And God can take us where we never dreamed. Because what he wants in our life is so far above what we could ever ask or think. So if that is the perspective that I am to have, then I can do what God has placed before me. I can live this life knowing that God has blessed me. And I can be thankful for everything that comes into my life, even if I don't feel good. Even if things get all messed up and get turned around and upside down, it doesn't matter. God is in charge and he'll turn it right side up. If it's not today, it'll be tomorrow because I believe in the fullness of my riches and the fullness of the knowledge that I have in Jesus Christ. Nothing will ever separate me from him. Nothing can come between us. Nothing is impossible. I am his child. I am the recipient of his blessing. I am the recipient of his power. I am blessed because God is in my life and he's in my heart and he's in my thoughts. He's in my actions. I am blessed. Well, what if you sin? You're forgiven. I am blessed. I am forgiven. I, am, I may fail, but I am not a failure. <laughs> I may be a saint and I may do something wrong, but I'm still for, I am to be forgiven and keep going in the direction. Here's one more and I'll quit. The words of our mouth are the rudder of our ship. The desires of our heart are its fuel. When I write that down. Your words are your rudder, your belief is your motor, and your desire is your fuel. <laughs> Amen? Your words, that's it. Thank you. Your words are your rudder. You will follow your, the words. You, your life will follow your words. Your desire will fuel. And what's the other one? Your beliefs. is what makes it all come together and work. So, I believe that all things are possible. I believe that God has made a difference in our lives. 
I believe that God is at work in our lives and our community. Don't be confused by what you say, what you see. Be led by his word and allow yourself to speak the goodness of God. Amen? Let's stand. Do you receive that today? <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, Father, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your blessing upon our lives and for the goodness that we find in you, that our hopes and our dreams are fulfilled in Christ. And in you, God, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. And we are your child to celebrate with you the victory that is ours through Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. God bless you.